The key to a successful business isn't just plans, strategies, and profit margins. It isn't just mission, vision, your big dreams for the future, or how you communicate to your ideal clients. It's not just your product suite, your pricing, your sales, or being the person who takes decisive action. It isn't even just nervous system regulation, expanding emotional capacity, and enhancing your communication skills. And it's definitely not just faith, manifestation, vibes, intuition, and magic. The key to a successful business is bringing all of these components together and knowing which one you need when. Nature thrives when all of the elements are in balance. So do you. This is the Elemental Entrepreneurship Podcast, where we discuss the earth, air, fire, water, and spirit elements of building a thriving, successful, creative business and life. Welcome to the show. Hello and welcome to the Elemental Entrepreneurship Podcast. Thank you for being here for another episode. I'm your host, Sarah. If you're here for the first time. Welcome. I'm glad you're here. This is a fun episode to start with. If you are returning, I'm glad you're back. It always means so much to me. I know you could be putting many different things in your ear holes. You could be filling your content consumption time with so many things. And the fact that you choose to listen to this show is truly an honor, and I really genuinely appreciate each and every one of you. Uh, That being said, you know, I I never, rarely, I don't often say, you know, the thing, the like, share, subscribe, leave a review on Apple Podcasts, engage with us now on Spotify, you can do that, share this podcast in your Instagram stories and with your friends, Uh, but today I'm going to say it because... I feel like I should be saying that more, Um, but I also feel like if you're a podcast person, you know the hustle, you know what to do, like, share, subscribe, rate, review, share it with your friends, let people know that you're listening to this show. Uh, It means a lot to me, and if you enjoy the episode and you learn something or you laugh, please do feel free to share it with other people. Uh, I don't have a ton of announcements to make today besides that I'm very excited for this episode because it is with one of my mentors, one of my coaches, and my friend, Michelle Pelazon, who is the founder of Holisticism and the North Node, and she is a business genius and a very powerful witch and a very cool ass person and I'm excited for you to get a little glimpse into the brilliance that is Michelle. So one little PSA that I will make before the episode starts is that when Michelle and I get chatting, this always happens when there's a friend on the show, we just dive right in and things get weird and funny immediately. And so you're going to feel like you just walked into a room where an existing conversation was happening at the beginning of this episode. And that's honestly because you are. We started chatting about other podcasts that we were listening to, and we started chatting about the podcast Cover Story, and we just started going. 
And a couple minutes into it, I realized I should be recording this. And so I hit record. So you're going to come right into us already chatting, already laughing. Don't worry if you feel like you missed the beginning. It's because you did. I should have hit record earlier. I should have known better. But here we are. Hang out. Enjoy the episode. Click the links in the show notes if you need some business support. Uh, you can always reach out to me, but you can also always join the North Node and reach out to Michelle. What cross-promotion? And look, you could be in the Elemental Entrepreneurship Coven and the North Node. I think that they are different but extremely complementary, and you can get a lot out of both of them. So, you know, only collaboration around here. Enjoy the episode. Um, the <laughs> um yeah. stores, like gave me I, there were two seasons of it and the one about the psychedelics like truly gave me heart palpitations and I was like nothing it's it's not worth it to help anyone <laughs> it's like how I felt you know but also like this stuff is whack like wellness people are absolutely whack I'm also from the Bay Area and CIIS was like the sister college of the school I went to. And when my crazy college had a big scandal and shut down, CIIS took a bunch of our students. And like, I have friends who went there. Like, I felt very close to that world because I'm like, oh, I know all these people. I know all of the San Francisco, Burning Man, we are here for wellness and or take these drugs and or kind of rapey people quite Uh well. (laughs) Quite well, I know them. Yeah. Yeah. And it's... It's so messy and sticky and it's enough to make you be like, yeah, none of this stuff should be legal, you know, just because it is so, it's so hard to parse it out. But but also that's not the answer. Like, I feel like it's the other way. I'm like, all of this stuff stuff should be legal so that the cover-ups that are happening because they're like, we don't want the abuses to get out because it will mess with the legalization process. So we can't protect women. Uh, Like, no, if it was legal, we wouldn't have to worry about that shit. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I'm like, why men? Why are men? <laughs> why, are, <laughs> you know, like, why are men? Like, why are men? Um, yeah. So we did like a big research. We did a white paper on psychocorp, like the corporatization of psychedelics. And it's very dark. Like it's very intense and scary and um, and freaky. And there's obviously like a huge schism between the people who like are at MAPS, who want to, who have like, who are more of a nonprofit perspective to to the people who are like mushroom companies or psychedelic companies that are like giving out, I don't know, ketamine for therapy or want to use other drugs for therapy or mushrooms for therapy um, or ayahuasca for therapy, but also want to like patent it so no one else can use it um, versus the people who have been like fostering and um, you know, shepherding this in- incredible medicine for generations who have totally different intentions and are like, there's nothing wrong with the way that we're doing. Like, we don't need to like standardize this or like make the, we don't need to make this like more shiny and accessible. Like it's perfect the way that it is, you know? I also watched a documentary about ayahuasca and they were like, uh, yeah, traditionally you didn't take it. The priest took it for you. <sighs> Like, you just went and sat with a shaman who took 
the medicine and they like went and dealt with it on your behalf. But Westerners are like, I'm going to do it. (laughs) I want to be shooting and throwing up at the same time. It's important. (laughs) Yeah. I got called. It's my spiritual calling. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I, I I feel like I'm showing my ass on this because I clearly have opinions, but I also have not tried. I haven't tried ayahuasca. So, you know, I feel like I can't really be judgmental of it. And I know it's been incredibly healing for lots of people and I'm definitely not bagging on the medicine. I think the medicine is incredible. I just think that like the way that it's been corporatized is a little. Hard same. All of that. All of that agree. And, And that weird line of wanting things to be legalized and protected and not, and, um, quote unquote standardized in the way of like, you're not going to risk falling in with someone who is kind of a charlatan and says that they can get you into a plant medicine ceremony and gives you some kind of concoction of like drugs that you don't know what they are and you're going to get really sick. We don't want that to happen to people. And also we don't want it to be owned by a corporation. And hello, Bonnie, that pepper has a I love it when there's animals on the podcast. My cats are frequent guests. <laughs> um, stand up like this, so she she must really want to be involved today. Yeah, hi, baby. Um, <laughs> so let's uh, let's let's rewind. We're doing this in the most squiggle brained way possible, and I love it. Everyone today on the show, we have Michelle Pelazon Lipsitz, aka the notorious MPL, head witch in charge of holisticism, host of the Twelfth House. <laughs> podcast and the good for you podcast uh carb architect cake designer bread choreographer professional dancer notion wizard uh milf all around baddie um dog mom normally i'm like when people introduce me on a podcast but this is great i love it You're getting the hostess of a mad dinner party, like (laughs) incredibly stylish individual with tremendous taste. Uh, Yeah. Okay. I think, I think that's like a lot of very good things. Michelle, welcome to the show. (laughs) Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. I'm honored. I mean, you just hyped me up for the next month, so I'm feeling great. I'm feeling great about being here. I do think you should add carb architect to your bio, your professional Uh, bio. (laughs) Because I feel like a carb architect sometimes because I also have massive carb failures. I'm like, why didn't this, why does this piece of bread taste like gum? Like what's going on here? This is not right. <laughs> you know, I can't wait until we can smell things through Instagram because that's how I feel about your stories a lot of the time. <laughs> One day. I'm like I want to sniff it. <laughs> what is this amazing bread thing that I'm seeing? <laughs> I know. I really embraced my like carb mommy status since having roads where I'm just, I've always been a carb person, but I really went on a carb kick when I was pregnant. And now I, I haven't, I can't quit it. Can't go back. Yeah. It's amazing. Those of us who are yeast intolerant salute you. Um, <laughs> so Michelle is a boss and a CEO, the owner of a very successful company, the host of two podcasts, but we're here to talk about the most important thing in a woman's life, uh, her role as a wife. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. I was thinking about that earlier and I was like, I'm going to get so canceled if I say that I'm doing it. Um, don't worry. If I'm entirely intact. Um, but 
I want to share that recently Michelle and I were having a conversation and she told me that the biggest thing she's learned about being married is that her husband's life is none of her business. And I was like, pause, we're doing a <laughs> podcast about this. This is the best thing I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> I'm sure everyone wants to talk to you about business. I want to talk to you about that. <laughs> I'm, I love talking about love and relationships. And like, listen, I'm, I just, I, this is my first time doing this. This is my first time being married. To, to Ethan. So, you know, I'm not like an expert at it. So I can just share like what's been hard for me and where our relationship is now. But yeah, that was like one of my biggest, I'm a, I'm a triple water Pisces, sun, cancer, rising Scorpio moon. I like love, love. And I'm also a Pisces Venus. I just like, I love love. And I've been all over the map with it from dating people who are like absolute narcissists. Um, to people who are sex addicts, to people who are anxious attached, to people who are avoidant attached. Like I've done everything. I've done everyone. And um, I feel like before Ethan, I really like was true blue codependent, like, you know, hyper, I don't know, hyper individual. Like I have my shit together. I'll take care of you. You don't need to figure things out. I'll figure everything out. Um, and then meeting Ethan, I knew I just needed to sort of like shrug that off because it was absolutely like just destroying every relationship and intimate relationship I tried to be in. And that was a really hard thing for me, uh, to sort of disentangle myself from his business, from like how he makes money, how he shows up for work, how he does his work, how he approaches his work. It's none of my business. And what is my business is when it affects me and our life together and our ability to plan the future. But like, if I'm really honest with myself, that's maybe like, that's maybe 5% of the time, like truly. And um, yeah, sometimes that's really hard, but I, my therapist used to like ride me for that. She would just be like, it's none of your business. It's none of your business how he, how he does his work. I have been thinking about this since you said it because I think it's super profound and important. And I was even talking to someone this morning and I was telling them about this show that we were going to do. And I was telling them that you said this thing and she was like, I felt like I knew where this story was going until you said that. And now I have to like leave your house. I cannot process this information. And she was like, oh, imagine the amount of shame she doesn't have. And I was like, what do you mean? And she said something interesting, which is like, I feel like if I'm watching someone do something wrong, <laughs> right? Which we already start there. I'm watching someone, someone do something wrong and I know it's going to work out bad for them. If I don't step in and offer to help, then if it goes bad, my stuff will kick in and say, it's my fault because I should have been able to help them and I should have stopped them. And I was like, well, you probably have more codependency than we're prepared to talk about in this conversation. Because uh, <laughs> I don't have that one. I don't have that. I should have stepped in and helped. And because I didn't, it was my fault. But I do think that for a lot of people who are, first of all, bosses in their own right, like actually bosses, like run things, have teams, build things themselves. Um, also, my my directors, right? Like, like we have such a, a honed sense of like 
how how things should go, quote unquote, how we want to see things go, the most efficient way to do things. And we have, most of us worked really hard to get comfortable directing and being in that role and expressing our sense of clarity on how we want to see things done. And then when we blend that with any type of codependence or even just bring it into a relationship space and be like, I coach people all day, every day. I support people all day, every day. I lead a team all day, every day. And then I come home and I have to like flip a switch in my brain where I'm not looking at your life or work or what you're doing through the lens of my, don't put that over there. Don't, why are you putting that? That doesn't go there. Don't do that. Like, like I can't do that to you without becoming your boss in a way that also will kill our relationship. And, and like you, okay. And I don't enjoy like being a leader. (laughs) I don't enjoy it. I don't, I don't, I don't like it. Like, I don't like being a boss of other people. I am so much better at it than I used to be. I don't like managing people. It is not where my strength is. Like I am, my strength is like being in my little hobbit hole in my cave. Literally, I love caves and doing my work and by myself. Like that is, I'm awesome there. Um, It's such a growth edge for me to like be with people and I don't want, I don't want my relationship to always like provide a growth edge for me. Um, I would like it to be like a safe landing space and um, not, I, of course the challenge is good, but like, I don't want it to constantly be challenging me. Like I want to be able to breathe. And uh, the last thing that I want to do is like manage my partner. Uh, absolutely. The last thing I want to do is manage them. I feel exactly the same way. And I also find that it's challenging as someone who enjoys being in like a really submissive feminine role in relationship, um, which always surprises people. But I'm, I tell people all the time, I'm like, I have to make a bazillion decisions a day. Like the most value you can add to my life is to take decisions off my plate. I don't fucking care where we eat. I don't care what movie we see. I don't care. Like, tell me what time to be ready. I do not care. It's such a vacation to get to be like, make choice. Like, I don't, please make choices, please. Uh, And then also the challenge of that is I'm like, but don't make bad ones. (laughs) And that's the hard part. (laughs) Exactly. And like, yeah, that is, that is, I feel like a big a big thing for a lot of women who are entrepreneurs, who are in charge, who are like mothers to their business, right? They're mommy and they make all the choices and everyone comes to them with the problems and they are solving things all day long. And then you don't want to go home and like have to solve more problems for other people. But also like no one asked for it. That's the big thing about codependency, right? Like no one asked you, no one asked for your help. No one asked you to do that. Um, no one asked for your opinion. Even, um, you just like gave it and then you got upset when people didn't listen to it, but no one asked for it in the, in the first place. And for me, I'm a projector in human design. So I think that I know everything. And, um, I also have ADHD and something that really helped my relationship was understanding that, I work in a completely different way than my husband, who is not neurodivergent. And my way, even though it is better for me, is not necessarily better for him. Our brains are literally different. Like what works for me will not work for him the same way. And I know that that's maybe like obvious when I say it out loud. They're like, of course, different things work for different people. But 
like I have so hacked this system and process, this system, meaning my brain and like my way of doing things to make it the easiest and get the best results. And I've spent year, whatever, 30 years doing that, right? That when I see someone else struggling with the same things that I used to struggle with, I just want to give them the answers and be like, but I already did the hard part. Like I already suffered so that you don't have to suffer. When in reality, like they actually kind of do, <laughs> like they actually do kind of have to suffer and figure out their own way to do things. And something that I, because my way won't necessarily work for them, especially because our brains are made up completely differently. Um, and I have to remind myself all the time that I need to uh, trust in the dignity of others' timing. Like I need to give people the dignity to have spaciousness to figure out their stuff and to like muddle through the stuff as opposed to like giving them a cheat code, um, which robs them of the opportunity to like develop who they are, you know, and like understand who they are. And I especially don't want to do that to my my partner. Like I, I want him to know who he, he is deeply like and continue to um, like a fine wine, you know, get better and better with age. Does that make sense? No, I think it's beautiful. And I think the other thing that's really interesting about that is that like what you also just described in terms of like, I struggled so that you don't have to, I have the cheat code is the essence of the marketing for the work that we do. Like, that's what I do at work. Like, at work, I'm like, hey, I've made every single mistake possible so that you don't have to. And if you come over here and pay me, I will give you the cheat code and tell you how to avoid that. It's also how I feel as a dance teacher. I'm like, oh, yes. Like, the reason I'm a great teacher in dance is not because I'm a natural. It's because I've had to work so hard for everything that I'm like, I have 20 million ways to describe how to do a plie because I had to work really hard to figure this out. Um, Quote Taylor Swift, I've never been natural. All I do is try, try, try. Like that's, that's I'm not, nothing comes easy to me. Like I am a, I am a, a striver, if you will. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely. And yeah, I just, I think there is something so, what am I coming to? Uh, it's, it's about context is what I'm feeling. There's something so important about understanding context and place for our skill sets and knowing that like the thing that is so valuable and brilliant in my work is not the thing that I'm that's valuable and brilliant in all of my relationships like this my coaching doesn't go in my friendships like I I am like delivered from giving my friends advice I swear like I am just sitting there listening I'm like damn that sucks wow that's crazy (laughs) unless unless you specifically ask me what I think you should do, and it's hard sometimes to not be like, "Mm, I have feelings and opinions about that, but to sit there and be like, damn, that sucks. Wow, that's crazy. Can't believe that happened and not want to jump in. I mean, I, I try to be a good friend because I do think it's important with friends to like call each other in when you see each other straying or like making observations of like, "Mm, I hear something in that, that you might want to reflect on, can I share that with you? So every once in a while I might be like, Ooh, there, there's something in there that, that feels uncomfortable. But like, I really try (laughs) to stay out of that with my friends. Mm -hmm. And I think being able to stay out of that with our families, being able to stay out of that in our, like, Every time I have found myself in a place where I'm like, I am coaching my partner through being in a relationship with me, I already know it is on track toward disaster. 
I don't want to have to teach someone how to be in relationship. Well, because also, like, um, it doesn't give you any space either to grow. Like, I'm not perfect at being in a relationship. I'm not perfect at running a business. I'm not, I don't have all the answers. But um, if you put me on this pedestal of like, well, I'm the one who knows, I'm the one who has it together. I'm the one who knows the answers. Then I'm never allowed to be wrong. And that is a horrible, that means I'm never allowed to grow and change and change my mind. And like, that's not, that's not the point of being in a relationship for me. I want to grow together and challenge each other together and support each other so that we can like continue to expand into our fullness in life. And, uh, I guess the question is like, is it contractive or is it expansive? It comes up more than like, I don't know, should I coach this person for me? Like, should I coach this person or not? Like, does it feel expansive for both of us or does it feel like a bit icky, you know? Yeah. I think there's also something for us recovering codependence in noticing when what's really happening is um, our hypervigilance or our desire to soothe our own anxiety. Um, like watching yeah. someone do something that I am worried is going to go badly produces anxiety for me because I have a history of like, I'm the person who's going to have to fix this if it all breaks down. And so I'm yeah. trying to prevent it from all breaking down because if it really becomes a disaster, it's going to be me who has to solve that problem. Yeah. And like, first of all, having partners where like, they're not going to bring disaster to your doorstep. Uh <laughs> And trusting that they won't. But noticing when it's like, oh, this is me kind of future casting in a negative way and jumping in and trying to prevent a big problem that's like not mine to solve either now or in the future. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, that's exactly right. And for some my relationship, to give some context, my husband has brain cancer. He has an anaplastic astrocytoma. And he was diagnosed a year before we got together. He had brain surgery, chemo, radiation, all that stuff. Um, and he gets a brain scan every, he used to get one every three months. Now he gets one every six months. He just had a clear scan, which is awesome. He has, a, he has a brain tumor and it's up there in his noggin. And it's not, it will never be in remission. So it's always something that we have to like be conscientious of. And when I notice my anxiety flaring of like, well, why isn't he working more? Or uh, I don't think he's spending his time the way that he should be spending his time. Or I need him to do X, Y, Z thing. I need to, him to pull his weight more with the chores or whatever. I just, I go back and I'm like, okay, is that actually true? Is that like actually the thing? What is the thing? Because my our, my thing in our, this relationship is so easy because <laughs> it's like so blatantly clear that it's abandonment, right? Like I don't want to be the only one left here. I don't want him to leave me like as an expire from this planet and die and leave me here alone and leave me here with our son and this house and the rest of my life to live without him. I don't want that to happen. And I think that that's probably like the core wounding or the core fear for all of us, right? Is that we don't want to be left behind. We don't want to be alone. We don't want that other person to die. We don't want to die, right? Um, like, And that's the sort of like ludicrous fear. If we like keep asking, if we do the five whys of like, well, why are you afraid of that happening? Why are you afraid of that happening? We go deeper and deeper and deeper. It's either they're going to die or I'm going to die or I'm going to die because they die. And when I can clock that that's like actually what's coming up for me, I just need to really get soft and be like, I'm so scared. I'm so scared that like something bad's going to happen to you. And 
the truth is like anything could happen to anyone. Anyone's partner could keel over and I don't know, kick the bucket tomorrow. Be the healthiest person on look have previously been the healthiest person on the planet. Like we're none of us are immune to it. Death is at every single doorstep. Um, it just rings the doorbell at a different time for all of us. So I'm getting long-winded here, but um that really helps me like honor what's true because sometimes like it is my business when he is getting into something and it does really impact us and my ability to show up in our relationship and for us to be together and, um, and share a life together. Um, like for example, when unexamined money stuff comes up, like around, let's say going on a vacation or buying a house or we're going to send our kid to school. And if he's acting out of a place of scarcity and, uh, he hasn't done his work around money, and I feel like I have, or like we're on a different level. We're not, we're not speaking the same language. That does impact my life. That does impact how I make my choices. So that's when I, I feel like I have the opportunity to be like, here's what's happening. We got to address this somehow. I don't know how we're going to address it, but let's figure it out. There are so many things that you brought up there that I want to uh, double click on. Um, one, I want to work backwards. I think the like the genius thing of like, I'm noticing that we're at a different level on this and this needs to be addressed somehow. I don't know how, but we're going to figure it out. That's also a place where many people jump into coaching or teaching or leading or guiding. Um, And I think the thing of like, it's okay for us to notice when we are, when there's a gap, right? A developmental gap in any way between us and another person and to reflect that to that person and then ask, right? For my safety, for our growth, it would help me so much if you would do some work toward evening out that gap and then to let that go, which is like so hard. It's so hard, right? Like I've been in situations where I've had to ask a partner to go to therapy and been like, our relationship won't last if you don't get some help on addressing these issues and I can't take the lead on it. I can't go do the research for you. I can't go find you a therapist. I can't make the appointment. I can't, right? Like all I can do is say, I see this gap and I see the way that this is going to affect our relationship if it goes on unaddressed Mm -hmm. and then to take our hands off of it. And I think that that's a really hard edge for a lot of people, again, getting into that processing of like, what's the fear? And it's like, well, the fear on the other end is that the person will refuse, right? That they'll say no, that they'll refuse to do that work, that they won't rise to meet you, that they'll fight you on it. Um, And for some of us, it's like, I don't even want to suggest that they do the work because I'm afraid they're going to say no. So I just jump right into trying to lead us through the work. Um, Right. Yeah. You're afraid you're going to get rejected because you're also in a some, like in a way, it's kind of an ultimatum, right? Where you're like, listen, you have to do this or like we can't progress this relationship. And it's unspoken that you're only in relationships that progress, right? You're not like looking for something that's going to be static. You want to continue to evolve. It doesn't mean at an exponential rate, but like you can't just be like dead in the water. Um, so you are kind of giving someone an ultimatum, which does, it never feels good to do that, in my opinion. Like I, I hate... Um, I hate like forcing some, it feels like it's often forcing something and like you have to advocate for yourself and know what you're capable of and what you're not capable of. And sometimes like we're capable of saying, 
I can continue at this for the next two years as long as you do some work. And I'm I'm happy to like give you the space and time. But by the time I we do XYZ thing or the time I'm at this place in my life, I want to feel differently about this. And that doesn't mean it needs to be completely solved or fixed. It just like it has to evolve in some way, you know? Yeah. And I think that knowing how long we can endure in something timeline is really critical too. And I think that there's another thing around this ultimatum piece, which is like the the edge of an ultimatum and a boundary, right? And a lot of times for me, it's like as someone's partner, you're committing to each other that I'm going to do what's required to keep your heart safe. Mm-hmm. And if what you're identifying in a gap is like, hey, this is like this is a door and a door that's left open and a window that's left unlocked. You know, like I need you to go shore this up because this is a way that you're leaving me exposed, that you're leaving me vulnerable, that my heart's not be able to be safe in this relationship because there's this thing that needs to be tended to and I can't tend it. I need, only you can do it. If I could do it, I would do it. Believe me. I'd be happy to just get up and handle this, but I can't. Um, that's such a good point. Um, when I was pregnant, I we had some stuff come up that was like it was a lot, right? Um, and I we go to couples therapy. We've been going to couples therapy since the week we got engaged because we we're like amazing. We're going to do this together. Let's do some proactive conversations. And we have an amazing couples therapist that we see once a month now. But um, I had to ask, like, I can't do this anymore in our relationship. This certain thing that had been my role, like can't even remember what it was. Like, I can't be responsible for, let's say, the emotional labor of of planning all of our outings together and planning everything with our friends and cooking. Like, I just, I don't have the spaciousness to do that anymore. And um, I was feeling really un, not at home in my body because my I was like really sick for most of my pregnancy. And the self-confidence that I had sort of, it diminished. And that was one of my requests to Ethan. Um, I basically was just like, I can't do this for myself right now. And I need your help. Like, I need you to help me feel good about who I am. And like, I need you to hype me up. And normally I would not ask that of you. Like, I know I'm hot shit, but like, I'm not feeling great right now. I'm not feeling like myself. And I need you to like come in and support me during this time. And I know that's me stuff. And I'm requesting your help right now. And I think it's kind of uh, that what you were saying just kind of reminded me of that, like owning that. Yeah. I can't like continue, let's say at this pace, if you're not going to therapy, because it's really triggering to me because my own trauma is coming up. It's not because you're like an evil person. It's because I'm reacting from my past experiences, from my unhealed stuff to what's unhealed in you. And like, that's hard, <laughs> you know? Like yeah. love is acknowledging each other's traumas, right? I think lo- to add on that, I would say I think love is – love when you're talking about the verb of like I'm going to be in love with you actively in a relationship, acknowledging each other's traumas and deciding that you're going to protect each other's nervous systems. Mm-hmm. Like I – if you see that a way that you're being in the world is constantly activating to me even if it's not to the level of being triggered, but it's constantly activating to me and you're my partner and you want to protect my nervous system. If you want to bring peace to my life through the way that you're living your life, um, being like, Ooh, I see that the way that I'm handling this thing, I see my messy money stuff. I see that like 
my anger stuff. I see the way I interact with alcohol, right? Like these are just common ones that come up in relationship. There's something about the way I'm being that may have been fine when I was single, that now Mm -hmm. that I'm partnered to you, it gives you anxiety. It puts you on edge. It makes you feel unsafe. And as someone who is pledging to love you, one of the healthiest things I can do for you is look at that stuff and see, can I, can I change the way I'm being in this area so that it doesn't bring anxiety into my relationship with my partner? And so I'm still in authenticity or like I'm not shutting parts of myself down in order to make someone else more comfortable. And that's such a, that's such a like fine line to sort of tread, you know, um, someone once told me it, the difference is compromise versus sacrifice compromise is when you're coming together and sacrifice is when you're completely shutting down your needs, wants, desires, um, and giving over to the other person and sacrifice breeds resentment and contempt eventually. And I think the compromise piece, that's great because it's double-sided, right? Versus sacrifice is one-sided. Only one person is like doing the work or moving, moving towards a solution. And that, that always helps me come back into focus. Like, okay, does this feel like a sacrifice or a compromise? If it feels like a sacrifice, then how can we make it feel like a compromise? Um, you, cause you just know it like in your gut and your butt, right? When, when, when it's a sacrifice versus a compromise. And I think there's also something, cause yeah, like definitely we're not wanting to ask people to give up something. I think it's like a thing of like, are you, yeah, sacrifice. Are you giving up something? But also like, is this something that works for you that's making you happy? Or is it something that's not working for you that wasn't making you happy that you're kind of numb and unconscious to, and it worked for you as a single person to be numb and unconscious to it. And now there's a mirror to it because there's another person here being like, wow, the way that you, like, I had an ex who used to drive drunk a lot and he had gotten DUIs and he had had like a really bad car accident where he woke up in the hospital and he worked in nightlife and he would come home really, really drunk. And every time he did it, I was like, now I'm at a point where when you go to work, I have anxiety all night long because I'm not going to be calm until you're back in the house. And knowing that you're probably going to end your night driving drunk makes me so nervous and it's so reckless and it's so dangerous. And you're talking about wanting to marry me and like wanting to build this life together. And you're doing this behavior that this is not, it's not serving you. And you have this kind of, you know, every time I do it and nothing bad happens, it reinforces my idea that it's not that big a deal. Um, but it is a really big deal. <laughs> um, he also turned out to be a narcissist, but those like risky, like super risky behaviors, like yeah. there's a uh, lot of crossover for those of y'all who don't like obsessively listen to narcissist podcasts with narcissism and like, um, speeding, driving drunk, like risk-taking behaviors because they don't they, yeah, they don't feel a lot. So they like to do those things that like increase the adrenaline and make them feel like they're getting away with stuff. But that was the thing where I was like, it's not like this thing that I'm asking that you look at is something that's like a great healthy thing that works for you in your life. <laughs> it's just something that when you were single, you no one was here to be like, um, it's actually terrifying that you do this all the time. <laughs> Not just for you, but like you could kill somebody and maybe we should consider that that's not a great way to live. Um, And I think what's really hard and scary, I know it's been hard and scary for me and I've heard this from other people as well, 
is the level of crushing disappointment when you bring something like that to someone and you're like, can you choose my safety, my my health in this relationship, our future together, our relationship over this behavior that ultimately is not healthy for you either? And they're like, no. <laughs> I would literally rather stay unconscious in this thing than rise to this reflection. And like, I would actually rather make you a villain or a bad guy or push you away. And then later go on to tell the story that like you were controlling or something like that. Then, then look at this thing that you're bringing to the relationship. And I know that that's nothing close to what you have in your marriage or you wouldn't be married to him. Uh, But I'm saying for other people who might've experienced that there are, we get into discernment, right? Always when you're talking about the things that can be none of your business and the things that can't. <laughs> yes. Or go back totally. to our original thesis. That like the fact that my partner drives drunk can't necessarily be none of my business all the time because that it actually well, is community business. It's everyone's business. You're on the road a menace. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I think part of it is like knowing when you when are situations where you have your own back, right? Which I think a lot of the time like comes back to financial safety, at least for me, right? Like, am I going to be okay? Like, am I going to be okay? Am I going to be okay? Am I going to be okay? And I know that like, I'm going to, of course I'm going to be fine. I have my own back here. I know what to do. I know how to solve a problem when it comes up. And I also know how to ask for help. And if I need to, if life happened in that way, like I know that I I would be fine. I would, I'm in blessedly in the position where I would be okay. So my fear, because like anger, right, is just, it's usually just fear. Like at the underneath it, like what's, what's coming up for us is that we're just scared. We're not actually angry. Um, So for me, whenever I like lash out with my Mars Taurus, it's like, I'm just like really scared on the inside of something underneath that that's happening. And I have to go in and ask like, okay, is that fear founded? What I'm afraid of? And is it not enough for me to have my own back? Like, is it true that I really need the support here from somebody else? Because sometimes it is. But a lot of the time, if I just go back to myself and I'm like, yeah, it'll be okay. I'll be fine. Um, And I can still let this person in knowing that it'll be okay and I'll be fine. If like, I've got my, I've got myself here and I can rely on them. That was like a convoluted answer. I don't know. What do you think? I, I love it. And this brings up two questions that I have. One thing I want to say is like, this is a very, this is a double ADHD episode. Uh, And so I don't want y'all to think that I just like breezed right past the fact that Michelle dropped that her husband has brain cancer and like, (laughs) um, which is something that I know. And if you listen to any of her other podcasts, she's talked about, Ethan talks about, it's something they're both very public about. But if you're new to Michelle, you might've been like, wait, wait, run that back. She said what? And I also just think it's like a very triple water Scorpio moon that you met a man who's like, I brain cancer and you were like let's get married so <laughs> I was like oh, an eligible bachelor perfect <laughs> so I do want to I want to hear a little bit about kind of like what the decision was like especially as a codependent right because I think the theme we're, we're getting to here both in your life is not my business and I'm choosing to step into a relationship where this like um the the mortality the specter of mortality is close all the time. Mm-hmm. That that's such a um, boot camp for letting go and for non-attachment. Uh, 
which is like the hardest, most excruciating shit ever, but also like really beautiful. <laughs> So, yeah, like, you meet this man, you meet this hottie with brain cancer, and how did you work through that with yourself? Um, Well, when I first met him, I was like, are you just trying to get your dick wet? Like, are you going to die tomorrow? Like, what's the deal? And you're trying to get laid. I really thought, I was like, oh, this is, he's he's sort of, like, apathetic to me or kind of, like, whatever, breezy, because he's planning on dying. Like, he, it's not like a light thing that he has, you know, it's not like a basal cell carcinoma that you can just like, you know, take off your nose. It's like an active cancer in his brain and um, a very rare one at that. So I asked him like, are you planning on dying soon? Or like, what's the deal? Do you want to like date seriously? Are you just trying to get laid like and have fun? Like, cause I'm down. I just kind of need to know. And he this was like a month into knowing each other. And he's like, no, I plan on living for a very, very long time. And cancer is not going to be the thing that kills me. I was like, oh, okay, sick. All right. So we're like dating then. And, um, you know, like my husband is an extraordinary person. Um, so it's not surprising to me that like he has beaten extraordinary odds, you know, and that he continues to, to be extraordinary in his case, in his medical case. And, I think the like, um, I have a Pisces North node and a Virgo South node. So my muscle memory is to like work and be like totally analytical and like rigid and do things, you know, be on track and achieve and be successful. And I know that's like not what I'm here to do or here to learn in this incarnation. And um, being so close to like the third rail, if you will, uh, keeps me present. Like it keeps us both really present and not get to not get caught up in like that rat race, I guess. And I found that Ethan's gravitas of knowing that and understanding that and like actually living on purpose, um, like it matched, it meshed with my worldview, which is to choose the better story in everything that I do, like choose the story. That's going to be the good one. Like when you're on your deathbed, you're like, that was fucking cool. That was bad. That was great. We should, I'm glad we did that. And he is the better story. Like our life together is the better story than trying to like play it safe or I don't know, like date some eye banker and like, I don't know, live in Brentwood and like send my kids to Montessori school. Like that is great. But to me, that's not the better story or the more interesting story. The more interesting story and the like more fertile, rich ground is muddling through like what we're all here to muddle through, which is our mortality and also living at the same time. And how do I do all of that? And like also live under capitalism. And I don't really know the answer all the time. In fact, I know the answer almost never. Um, but to like not lose the thread of that's why I'm here is really important to me. So I think that that meeting someone who could like meet me there um, and match, match worldviews was really important. And um, I guess he just had to have brain, the guy had to have brain cancer in order to like be on that level um, in his thirties, you know? Yeah. I feel like as a 12th house son, I relate to this deeply and I'm like, I should be dating more people with cancer. Um, <laughs> yeah, but, but really, like, mortality, if, if you're thinking about mortality all the time, or it's like it weighs on you. Um, I am. It, right? 
I think I, yeah. I think this is something we've talked about before. Like that's always my thing. Like when people are ch- are choosing the safe route, I'm like, do you not know you're gonna die? Like, are we not aware all the time that like, right. <laughs> like the quote unquote safe route is so um, offensive to me to my core because I'm just like, how much time do you think you have? Um, yeah, that it does. It makes me crazy, and I've always been like that. Mm-hmm. So my other question, yeah. I don't know if this is something you are open to sharing. So you're you're welcome to to pass. Um, fuck Mary Kill. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> yeah, about my sex. Life. Uh, about it for sure. um, no, I was gonna I was gonna ask a question about about money and marriage as someone who has money stuff and like anxiety related to like, am I gonna be okay financially? And you're also the owner of a business. When y'all got engaged, were you like, we're prenupping, we're keeping our money separate? Like, how were you about money with him? 100%. Yeah. Of course, we spend a prenup. Mm. And like, we did that out of love. I mean, marriage is a contract. Yes. So, like, why would I be afraid of signing another contract? Like, uh, which is the prenup. I also, feel really good that like nothing's going to happen in our relationship. So that was like nothing to me. It wasn't a big deal to sign a prenup. Um, and I feel like creating energetic boundaries too is really healthy, you know, of like, this is what I'm coming in and, and laying all your cards on the table. Most people don't, most people are like not upfront about what their financial situation is when they get married. They've never talked about it um, until like the shit hits the fan. So being able to literal like, anxiety, you said that and my heart started beating faster. My face got, I was like, Oh, the idea of marrying someone and not knowing their financial situation makes me like, Bleh. Oh my God. People don't know like how much in student loans their partner has often, you know, or like, what their salary is actually, or what they're comfortable spending every month or, you know, this, that, and the other thing. And, um, I think that like how you commingle your finances is totally up to you for us. It made sense to, for the things we're both older. So the things that we've created separately of each other, like holisticism is mine. Like it's, it's what I've built and anything that we do together moving forward is of course like joint property, but that's my responsibility. Again, like the stuff that he made before is not my responsibility. Like the life that he built before is not my responsibility to uphold. What we built together is my responsibility, but it's none of my business. The other stuff, like I, I lay no claim to it. So like, why should I have like, why should I stress even for a second about it? You know what I mean? I feel so the same way about that. And I hope other people listening to this I hope you're hearing this and taking comfort in it too, because I think that there is, for some people, there's still um, stigma around prenups. I think there's still like some stuff around like, you know, I somehow that it's greedy or bad or inappropriate to want to protect what you've built. And if you're a business owner and you're coming into a relationship with a company you've built, even if that company isn't super lucrative when you come into the relationship, you do still have certain practical financial obligations for the company that should be, I think, separate from the contracts that you bring in your relationship. Like the same way that you have contracts in your business, (laughs) you should have contracts to protect that business. Uh, from any and all eventualities, including like one of you dying, right? Like in the same way we would yeah. have a will and a trust and like I 
as a single person have things laid out for like what happens to my company if I'm not here. That's like a really important thing for us all to be thinking about. And I, I just think that it's, um, it is a shame how many people still feel like it is somehow unromantic or a disservice to their relationship to not have these really practical financial conversations. Also like I'm a child of divorce and like, uh, my dad was divorced more than once. And I, I read some stat once and I don't know if it's still true, but back in the day it was something that like, like 90% of the marriages that end in divorce end in divorce over disagreements about money and finances. And then it was something like 75% of second marriages that end in divorce end over disagreements about uh, children from the first marriage and like ways to parent children from the first marriage, Um, which also totally makes sense to me because I, at this point, just do not date people with children, like maybe unless their kids are like completely grown. But like if I'm dating someone and I don't agree with the way they parent their children, I'm like, oh, I have to get out of here. Because I'm not that kid's parent and there's nothing I can do about it. Um, but I also don't respect you now as a person. <laughs> yeah. No, that's so that is that's a lot of dynamics to to that you can't really control, you know, that when you're going into a relationship with someone who has who has already been partnered and has children and they're tied to that person for the rest of their life, you know, their ex-partner because of their children. And yeah, that's that's just the long and short of it. Um, Yeah. I think that prenups are like actually really sexy and they are mutually protective. Like it's a way of saying, I want to protect you. Like I want to protect what you've created too and respect what you've created and respect that you had a life before me and like that it was big and that you've made like a lot of cool shit that I had nothing to do with. (laughs) And like, I can't, I can't take credit for Um, And I shouldn't, I don't deserve to take credit for. Um, And like, we're going to make amazing stuff together too. And we're going into, if you, if you get married, you're going into a business partnership, right? Like, cause you're signing legal papers. So it's exactly the same thing that you do with a co-founder. Yeah. I feel that way too. And not just like going into a business partnership together on those contracts, but like something I think about a lot, um, back to the idea of context is that, when you're talking about monogamous life partnership with cohabitating, you're like, okay, we're going to be lovers and we're going to be friends and we're going to be roommates and we're going to be business partners. We're potentially going to have like, you know, financial partnerships together. Like there are so many contexts that you're asking people to meet you in when you step into that kind of relationship, if that's what you choose. And it only makes sense that some of those contexts would be easier, smoother, and more natural, and others would take more adjustment. Like, there are people I have loved where I'm like, oh, you're a terrible roommate. Like, we're really going to have to work on this because living together is really challenging. Or like, we're not going to get along unless you have your own room and your own bathroom because I will murder you. (laughs) Oh my gosh, that is, I'm like the messy one in our relationship. My husband's a Virgo. So yes, that is, that was a big adjustment. Also like moving in together is a big thing. Um, and we'd both never lived with someone before. And that was such a hard challenge. That was a challenge for us. It was so fun, but like that I needed him to make space for me, like energetically and physically and, and let me in. And that was like a thing that I cried many nights over, you know, that we had arguments about. And it was when we finally like 
overcame it. It was amazing and it's great now, but like that took a long time for me to feel like this was our house, not just his house that I'd like moved into and he'd made a little corner for me in his closet, you know? Yeah. So that was his place already before you moved there. Mm-hmm. I I always think that that's in some ways more challenging than being like, okay, we're both going to give up our places and we're going to get a new place together. Um, yeah. It's like, well, how do we split the expenses? Are you going to pay the property tax? Do I pay the, do I contribute? Like, do I pay rent? What is the situation? It's, and it's just depends on the person. Right. And I think the level your relationship's at and what you're both comfortable with. And we split everything 50, 50. Now that we're married, everything, everything we do is 50, 50, but like projects that Ethan takes on, for example, he just bought an investment property in the desert that like, yeah, we're going to go stay, we stay at, but he's also going to rent it out. And we had to be really clear from the jump. I was like, this is your project. This is not my project. You're buying this house. And like, this. You, that means that like you do whatever you want with it. I wouldn't decorate it that way, but like you can decorate it however you want. And if you want my opinion, ask for it. I will definitely tell you obviously, but I'm not going to help you unless you ask me for help. Um, just as a heads up, I'm happy to help you. Like, and I'll help you for free, but I'm not going to do it until you ask me to, because this is your thing. And I don't want to step on your toes. You know, this was the conversation that spawned the, my husband's life is none of my business thing, because Michelle kept calling this investment property, Ethan's house. She was like his house. And I was like, wait, wait, like, let, what is this? (laughs) Tell me about this situation. And I think this is such an awesome story. And I think it's really a great example of the idea of something that's like, this is none of my business. And the, the power and the beauty of the clarity of of being able to say to your partner, like, let's be really clear that I don't want to take this on. I don't have space for this. I don't want to do this. I wouldn't do it. Is that okay with you? Like, do you, would, cause I can see a situation in which the other person is like resentful of that or like, I don't want to pursue this. If you don't want to be involved, I want to do this together, which would be a totally separate situation. But like to be able to put on the table, like if you want to do this without me, you should do it. And I want it to be very, very clear up front that I'm not, I'm not point on this project. I don't even want to be in it. And then I could also see myself getting itchy when I was watching someone make decisions where I was like, oh my God, why are you doing it like that? So how do you manage when you're watching him make decisions where they, do they, do you get itchy? <laughs> I used to, but now I'm like, not my, not my circus, not my monkeys, you know, like it's not, I wouldn't do it that way, but like, yeah, I wouldn't do a lot of things the way that Ethan does them and they work out great for him. You know, like that's a, we're just different people. And what I stress about it's not what he stresses about and vice versa. Um, so yeah, I, it's not, it's none of my business. I can definitely give my opinion. And when, for example, this house, he's like, well, I want you to feel comfortable in it. Then I can say, well, I think this is ugly. So I don't think this doesn't make me feel comfortable. And I would do it this way. I think this would be the best setup for this living room, but you know what? You do whatever makes sense for your budget and what you want it to look like. Cause at the end of the day, it's your house. But that was really hard. That was really hard for us to like get super clear on. And we had, I had to get like almost cut and dry of like, I'm not going to give you advice unless you ask me for my advice because I'm also, it's a business, right? So there's like marketing and how, what's the business plan going to look like? Is it just going to be Airbnb? Is it going to be an artist residence? Like, there's two properties on this land. And like, do we develop both of, does he develop both of them? Or does he develop just one? And 
I'm happy to like shoot the shit on that and all day long go back and forth. But at the end of the day, he's the one making the decisions and he has to do what he thinks is best for him. So, and in turn, both of us, it also helps me to remember that like, that's part of his salary, right? That's contributing to his income. And for both of us, our income goes back into our family. So it can feel a little complicated where it's like, well, it is impacting me, but like, I'm not asking him about my sales calendar in my business, you know, like I'm not, I may complain about the level of work that I'm doing or how busy I am, but like, I'm never asking him like, what should I do? When should I launch this thing? Do you think I should do this? I would, no, that's not, not his business. Again, it's my business. Um, it's my income that I'm responsible for. So I want to give him the same respect that he gives me in the work that I do, you know? I think that's beautiful. There's also something about you said something, don't go. Brain, stay with it. Follow the thread. <laughs> it's the witching hour. It's past 3. It left, I know, it's just like it hit 3.30 and my brain turned into absolute oatmeal, just like on the dive. It's like afternoon coffee time. Um, it's time for the afternoon espresso because the morning espresso has worn off. <laughs> that's right. Listen, that's the truth. <laughs> um, not your business his decisions. Ah, you said something about, I think there's a trust thing in there too. Like trusting that the decisions that he's making, that his decision-making rubric is also for the best of the family. And I think for the girlies with trust issues, um, I'm raising my hand, like having to remind myself that the person in front of me also is making decisions that, that, that are in their mind for the benefit of the relationship and not just ultimately self-serving and discarding me. Um, that's always a growth edge for me because I think my default programming is like, you're doing something that like, you're not thinking about me. You're not thinking about us. You're not thinking about my safety too, which is not always true. And I have to be mindful of that in myself. Um, but I think the other thing that would be so instructive and so beautiful is that you said, that he does a lot of things you wouldn't do that end up working out great. And I think like that's probably got to be like such a beneficial growth edge to be like, oh, okay. Like I know that my way is the right way ultimately. However, like Taurus Mars, like the way I would do it is the right way, uh, period. But to watch someone do it a way that you're like, oh, wow, that feels disastrous or I would never do it like that and then have it turn out well is like, oh, okay. Cool, great. It's gotta be yeah, very it's, um, it's so pleasant. And I'm constantly like, wow, could not be me. I'm glad, like, happy for you. Could not be me. Like, Ethan, <laughs> when I first met him, he always used to say, your network is your net worth. And I was like, oh my God, that is so gross. Cause I never wanna talk to people. I'm like such an introvert. I am not a networker. And he's such a like wonderful extroverted schmoozer. He's just like so good at talking to people and asking people for favors and or being like, hey, is there, can you help me out with this? Do you know someone who can do this? Whereas I'm like, I'll figure it out. I'll figure it out myself, figure it out myself. Um, if I just work harder, I'll get what I want. And um, if I just get smarter, I'll get, I'll eventually get what I want. I know I can. He has a different perspective. And that's also totally refreshing. It's like, oh, I can like ask for help. <laughs> Interesting. I'm not going to do that for everything, but like, some of his way is medicine for me and vice versa. I just got him into systems and notion. So finally, after like four years being like, maybe you should make a notion board for it. Um, he's, he's 
he's in he's into it. I will also say, everyone, uh, if you're not using Notion or if you are and you're not using it the way that you would really like to be, Michelle is the person for that. And we can drop links for Notion for Babies and System Spells and stuff like that in the show notes. We can make sure that you guys have the plug uh, because Notion, like learning Notion from Michelle certainly like changed my life. Um, and I use it. We now use it to run our business. And now many of my clients use it too. Now you're a pro. I remember when you emailed me and you're like, I don't really want to take your class. I just want you to do this for me. Can you please just do it for me? And I was like, no. <laughs> do you remember that? No. <laughs> Cause I was like, I wish I could make, I wish I could make a system for you, but I feel like you need to do it on your own. And you're like, so smart enough to do it. And you were like, I just don't have the time. And I think it's great. And I want to use it, but like, just build it for me. <laughs> oh yeah. I think I was like, do you have boards already? Like, do you have template? Like I was like, do I have to do this? Like, I don't want to yeah. learn it. I yeah, did I like, learn it. The and you got to learn how to do it. And yeah. Now you but I'm also obsessed. I do buy t- pre-made templates on Etsy. Now I'm obsessed, but, um, they're, you still need to learn it enough to understand how to use the templates. But I will say Notion was difficult for me, y'all. And if you have gotten it or like you've tried Trello and Asana and a bunch of other systems and you haven't found the thing that works for you, Notion was overwhelming for me because it's such a blank canvas. Um, And I also am very big picture. Like I, I am the person in dance class who needs to see the whole routine demoed one time. Before I get it. I'm like, I I need to see it with the meat. Can you just do it once? And then I will understand where this choreo is going. Yes, that would bug me so much when they'd be like, let's do just four counts at a time. Like, no, what is it? I just need to see it. Show me. I need to show see me variation. Yeah, I need to see it, and then I'll and then I can go and learn the pieces. But if I can't see where it's going, I um I zone out. I glaze over. I like the way my squiggles work. It's so hard. And so Notion was hard for me. The whole, the whole thing, or else we get anxiety because mm-hmm. we can't trust. We'll know what the next step is, or that we'll remember the next step. So we need to go sort of all fast forward all the way to the end. Know like, okay, this is when I can stop paying attention, or this is when like I can calibrate my energy to get to this point. Because um, you don't want to like, blow your wad too early, or use your energy too much too early, or not use it enough, right? Um, and that's why people with ADHD tend to work ahead in class like in school, you used to like read all the way to the end of the chapter while everyone else was reading out loud. And then the teacher would be like, Sarah, it's your time to read and be like, I don't know where we are. And so then they think you're not paying attention when in reality, you're like just ahead of everyone else. That also, that did happen for me. Um, Yeah, I definitely had that with Notion. And I also like, I think there's a thing of like, I need to know which details to obsess about which I can't yeah. unless I can see the bit. Like, I'm like, everything is of equal importance until I know where this is going. Yes, like that meme where they're highlighting the entire book, everything's important. That's me. Yeah, that's <laughs> definitely me. I'm like, I guess I'm going to have to memorize all of this because you're not letting me know what is, what's going to be on the right. test. So. Yeah, like, I need to know how it all fits together. Like, what's the – and also, like, what's the point? Because yeah. – if you are someone who is neurodivergent, you see patterns differently than the average person and you can usually cut the fat. So the way that typically people build systems is like super bloated for us because we're like, why are you going the long way? Like take the hypotenuse. Um, but you can't see the hypotenuse unless you're zoomed out and you see the entire triangle, right? Yeah. Do you know the four tendencies? Uh, Gretchen Rubin, right? Yes. I know of them, but I don't remember what I am. And I've, I like Gretchen Rubin, but I kind of find her boring. So yes. 
It's very dry. It's a textbook. It's not like a self-help thing. But the quiz is interesting. And I'm a questioner. And I was like, nothing has ever been more true. Like, even in school, they would be like, you have to learn this. And I'd be like, I don't think I do. You're eight. I'm like, I don't care. I don't think that for real I'm going to ever need this. So no. Like, what? Prove to me that this will ever be useful information. And that's also why I'm unemployable. Like, if I have a job, the second I don't like the way that someone is leading stuff, I'm just out. I'm just like, "Mm, no, I don't like your decision making. Do you have Scorpio in your chart? It's my descendant. Oh, interesting. Do you have Aries in your chart? I have an Aries Venus. Uh. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I just like, it's just deep. I'm like, if I am on board with why I'm a hundred percent on board. If I'm not on board with why I'm 0% on board and I cannot make myself care. (laughs) Yeah. Well, again, I think it goes back to like, what, what's the point of living? (laughs) Like, what is the point of this? Like, what are we just like killing time? Like, what's the deal? Uh. If I'm going to time I'd rather kill time in a way that's enjoyable for me as opposed to that feels like an administrative like I don't know red yellow tape nothing thing nothing burger like I don't want to just like do things for the sake of organizing files because like that's just how we do it when we never look at the files like that's a waste of my life I remember that being my breaking point when I just started to start holisticism I was sitting at my tech job typing away at my computer and I was like this is a waste of my life even though the work was fine pay was fine it was whatever it's just like I don't I this is a waste of my life I just know it in my bones that this is a waste of my life and I cannot allow myself to continue like it's just not I'd be out of integrity um yeah anyway I love it. I know we're at time and I want to honor your time. Um, If you have a final note for anyone who is also just like mind blown by this idea of your, of your partner's life being none of your business, if you have any like final words of something that could help people really live in that or integrate that, what would they be? Oh no, you're frozen. Can you hear me? Oh, okay. You froze for a sec. Um, I think probably I was frozen on my end. Final thoughts and words. Or, oh no, it's me. I can hear you. You're still here on my end. Can you hear me? I'm going to turn off my video because it said my connection was unstable for some reason. Um, I think my final thoughts are, you know, you don't have to like be 100% independent and and make your part, some of your partner's stuff none of your business. Um like that's not what I'm advocating for, that you're like totally separate entities and beings. But I will say like, know what's yours, know what's theirs, know what's ours mm. is really helpful. Um, and there are a lot of situations where I need to clean up my side of the street. He needs to clean up his side of the street. And we need to power wash the street between us that we share because like they're both kind of sloppy and um, it's all sort of meshing together. And we can't, there's no point in cleaning the street if both of our – the middle of the street if both of our sides are still, like, covered in trash because it's just going to get back in the street anyways. Um, that was a horrible metaphor, but I hope that it made sense. So, I loved it. <laughs> yes. Mine, yours, ours. Like, know what, where – if you can identify where something is coming from, and sometimes it's the Venn diagram of, like, all of the above. Um, then I think you can begin to tackle it together, but you're not just like singular and alone, you know, all the time in a relationship. Um, I'm not advocating for that, but I am advocating for minding your own business. (laughs) This was so beautiful. Where can people find you? 
Um, just at holisticism, um, on Instagram and holisticism.com and yeah, me, Michelle Pella's on Lipsets on Instagram. That's where I hang out a lot of, sometimes, sometimes, you know, sometimes, (laughs) sometimes I don't. Um, and yeah, I teach classes and have a podcast, like Sarah said, and I'm around. So that's it. That's me. Thank you so much for being here. It was amazing to have you on the show. Okay. Love you. Bye. (laughs) that's our episode for today thank you as always for being here and for listening to the podcast i know there are so many things that you could be doing with your time so many things you could be listening to it is an honor that you choose to be here connect with me on instagram at intuitive edge coaching have a great day